Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, both in video and in audio. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Nicole McCormick. I'm the guest of the day. I'm an Omdia analyst, and I look at all things 5G pricing. Fantastic. Welcome, Nicole. And Nicole is joining us from Brisbane, which is uh, a suburb of Dallas in Texas, right? <laughs> or is it uh, is it further away? We, we did the preamble already. <laughs> <laughs> as, the, as the accent says, Australia. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, uh, well, welcome. Uh, yeah, we do. We, we definitely want to. Um, uh, well, actually, Kelsey, you can dive in. Uh, we, we definitely want to talk, uh, you know, 5G pricing and, and what five uh, and all things 5G consumer. Uh, so thanks for thanks for joining us on on. A, uh, we're stretched apart on time zones, but uh, we can still make this work. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'd love to hear more about um, just as perhaps some of your recent uh, research and also um, just 5G uh, consumer data monetization. How can we make money off of 5G? Right. What are your good. thoughts? <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, good question. Well, 5G in the consumer space has been around for about two and a half years. So we do have some best practice now that, that thankfully I can talk about. So the basic notion is that 5G offers the consumer something more. And the telco, in turn, wants to charge a little bit more for that. But if you're going to charge a little bit more, you have to give the consumer a little bit more. So that's the crux of the, of the research. What is that little bit more that you are, are offering the consumer? So my research has looked at now, well, I'm up to about 158 operators that have launched 5G. And I spend all my time sitting through Excel's thousands and thousands of 5G plans. And what I've been able to do is come up with six basic ways that operators are charging consumers um, for that 5G service. Now, on the one hand, you've got a pretty lacklustre, unsophisticated model where the operator is doing nothing. There probably was a case back when they launched that it was uh, a rush to get to market, that the net the network rollout was right. a bit patchy, but let, let's, let's get the service to market. And thus they did nothing really very much on the pricing front, just merely opened up their existing tariffs. As long as you've got a 5G handset, bang, you got yourself 5G. So no premium there. But our other five models have got premiums built into them and they go up on level of sophistication. So we can delve in, into some of those um, pricing models throughout the conversation. Excellent. Yeah, in the, in the, um, in the US market, one of the um, initially a couple of operators charged extra for 5G, then they, then they sort of sort of backed off of it and kind of folded it into a larger offering, which included some app upgrades and things like that. Like for instance, um, uh, one of the popular things to do with the 5G plan is, you know, first of all, unlimited data and quote unlimited. I mean, it's always, there's always some sort of limit to it, but um, they will uh, bundle services like Tidal or other high res uh, uh, audio uh, music services. And the interesting thing is, even though consumers don't really have a quote killer app, um, just by virtue of getting some 
Netflix streaming or some title bundled in, they're doing the things they would normally do, but they're using a lot more data. Right. Um, how, how does that sort of, uh, how does that set the operator up to, to make money down the road or do they just have to, you know, or is it sort of a numbers game at that point? Is it just, let's just get a, you know, certain volume of customers to upgrade to that highest tier? Yeah, and look, you've, you've, you've touched on a couple of the other pricing models in, in that little spill there, Phil. So the first one is what we call charging an incremental fee for 5G. Give us your $10 more and you can, you can get all the goodies that 5G um, brings to market. Now, the US re- reneged on that. They weren't alone. Other markets, as we hit COVID, as job losses, things tightened up, um, lots of those plans that went out and actively asked in a visible marketing campaign, give us five euro more. We've seen those slowly dissipate. So that's kind of um, at that spectrum end of the do nothing. But at the completely other end is your model that you alluded to there. We call that bundling 5G rich apps. And this, this really demonstrates to the consumer all those, those network virtues that 5G is all about, right? So you, they can get a feel into the faster speed. They can see in some cases what that lower latency does for the performance of those apps. So at the other end of the extreme, um, we rank bundling 5G richer apps as the most innovative because that's giving the consumer some visibility on what paying a little bit more for 5G means. So we are seeing something like out of those 158 operators today, about 22% are actively engaged in in this new ecosystem, this new value um, chain of bundling those 5G-rich apps. We would throw in there the US operators, for example, are beginning to tread down this path. We've got the Japanese, the Koreans are absolutely experts at this. Uh, Each operator in Korea would have something like 10 at least 5G-rich apps and they keep spilling out alongside things like 3D AR shopping, 3D AR kids ebooks, where your um, your child's um, uh, favourite story, or it might be an educational book, for example. There are different flavours of these apps. Um, comes literally to life before them, and you can turn it around and get audio as as well. But by far, in this bucket of um, 5G-rich apps, my research shows that today uh, the low-hanging fruit, shall we say, is the bundling of cloud gaming. And why is that? Well, because uh, that ecosystem, that value chain, that partnership, there's, there's some big cloud gamers out there that exist in the market today. So it's relatively easier for the telco to go and discover this ecosystem, discover who the players are are in it and discover the monetization models. You know, the monetization gets sophisticated when we start looking at 3D AR, we start talking cloud gaming. It's not just uh, a baseline model of give us 10 bucks a month and you've got your, your, your cloud gaming service. You can have that model 
direct monetization, but there's some really clever indirect monetization um, at play in some of these apps as well. So I think the bottom line is that a lot of what the operators um, talk to me about they feel challenged by is this new ecosystem because to a lot of them they still haven't dug 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 into it they don't understand it where do we begin um what are the what are the forms and the types of monetization and apps that we can that we can get into but um we are seeing um operators jump buckets if you will so we had at the at the uh, you know a year ago we had a lot more operators in do nothing but they have since jumped into more sophisticated models. So slowly, slowly, some of these um, new value chain propositions are, are being better understood. Yeah, I think the um, the uh, 3D shopping sounds good. The, the 3D kids books, that's probably a better place to start. I like to read Stephen King, so that would not be a good um, use case. I wouldn't recommend I the think. 3D version of <laughs> No. Uh, no. The Shining scary enough as a film. I don't need it like popping yeah. out at the page at me. Oh, I was just going to go a, a quick point about the uh, Korean operators. Um, you know, we just had we just sort of finishing up our uh, Q3 earnings reporting, and um, it's showing up. You know, their 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 five G uh, monetization is starting to show up in terms of they're getting. Uh, higher ARPU and more subscribers and their profits uh, for both, I think for KT and SKT were uh, at pretty high levels uh, this time around. Um, so, so it, and, and I think both, I think both of them credited, you know, 5G signups and, you know, additional app usage as one of the things that, uh, that, that helped out there. So go ahead, Kelsey, sorry. Yeah, and I, I know you've identified kind of six pricing models and I also wanted to get your thoughts on looking ahead. Is there uh, an ideal model that you think operators should move towards or or you see as being the most beneficial? I mean, it, it sounds like the bundling the 5G rich apps is, is a really good way forward, but is there, can they move the needle a little bit more? Well, at the present moment, that is the end of our scale for innovativeness and that's where the needle lays. So the challenge is getting these, these, these guys in the middle to sort of maybe do, do something else. Now, yes, one option is to bring the apps on to entice that upsell. And Phil, you're right, um, a big lever for driving upsell through the 5G plans themselves in Korea is, by, is through the apps. So you're not going to get cloud gaming, for example, um, in Korea on some of the cheaper plans in some cases. If you want it, you've got to pay a little bit more. That, that's helping to drive that ARPU. Um, yeah. And they also, uh, on your 3D books, not everyone gets that. You might have to find $5 uh, a month more if you're not on one of those premium plans. So over time, they've built up like that sophisticated treasure trust of ones for free, um, ones we're going to give low tier, mid tier, but if you want the big ones, you got to find you got to find more, and that's what drives that upsell, not just from four G to five G, but throughout five G uh, as well. So yeah, the challenge is getting some of these ones stuck in the middle. So for example, forty percent of operators just stagger five G plans 
by data tiers, right? Ho-hum, we've seen that before. There's nothing new there. Um, but guess what? 5G, there's oodles of capacity. So instead of capping out your 4G plan, let's say at 100 gig, you can now do 200, 300, 500, unlimited, true unlimited, um, fill in this case, not not your US unlimited ones. And so you can drive that upsell, you can get that 20 bucks more uh, out of the consumer by just offering um, a much larger data plan, right? So the, the challenge there, Kelsey, is to then get these guys to think, what next? When I've got a 500 gigabyte plan or a one or two terabyte plan, or I've gone through unlimited, where do I go from here? So options do include that bundling, staggering, or um, speed tiers is another model that we haven't uh, talked about. We have seen our traditional markets that had speed tier plans roll those over to 5G. Um, But we've seen some new new countries, some new operators also jump on this bandwagon. Um, So it's doing something a little bit more than just staggering by data size, right? So, for example, in this part of the world, we really wanted China to do something. Um, they were at, were at risk of 4G data commoditization, so they really needed to, to, to do something this time around, and they did. So they not only tag, stagger their 5G plans by speed, they also stag them by data size. So you've got two levers there that can entice those consumers up the value chain. And also the Chinese have oodles of uh, 5G rich apps, which they're bundling, offering, staggering, giving for free, inbuilt monetization. Like they are quite ahead of the curve, um, similar to the Korean ranking in terms of how they're driving um, that story. So if I had to do my rankings, I would probably put Korea, China and Japan in that sort of tier one, um, trying to pull as many levers as they can to drive that up. So it doesn't have to be just those new sexy levers, right? It can be some of the traditional levers as well. So not so much voice uh, these days and definitely not text. They've, they've, they've commoditized. But um, things like um, roaming allowances, um, things like uh, device insurance, on the expensive Korean plans, you get that built in. On the cheaper plans, you don't. So it's about... What levers do I have? Where do I as a telco fit in the, in the value chain? And, and what can I sort of drip feed into these, into these different plans? So it, it, it's, it's, a big, it's, a, it's a big value chain. I like the idea of adding in the, the roaming um, allowances and device insurance because all that stuff just adds up after a while. And it's so frustrating, especially when you're uh, – I've had times where I didn't plan ahead and then ended up, you know, I was traveling to another country and then I'm having trouble (laughs) upping my service and it's just a pain. So having some of those things built in, um, you know, I'd be willing to pay a little bit more, I think. Right. And, and I think some of that low hanging fruit sometimes gets missed. So, um, you know, yes, I spent a lot of my days saying, you know, upsell, upsell, upsell to these new Butte 5G things, which still need to, to get better. But um, don't, don't forget that low-hanging fruit as well. I've got an observation. It turns out I'm a terrible interviewer because I can't quite figure out how to put this into a question. But um, the, the observation is that here in the U.S. market, um, 
you know, for for what you're saying, telcos need to really embrace content-rich apps to make the most out of 5G monetization in the long run. Unfortunately, and especially in the U.S. market, they sort of ceded that to the phone manufacturers, you know, Google and Apple, um, quite a long time ago. They don't really, they aren't really known, the telcos here aren't really known for their app stores or for even delivering apps directly to consumers. I guess they could bundle stuff in, you know, in the phone itself. Um, so there's where I, I should have a good question, but I don't really have one. I'm just noticing that and going, huh, what about that? I know where you're going. I, I've, I've got, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you. No, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I think in the U.S., um, very, shall we say, preoccupied with the network rollout and started off MM Wave. Now we've got some new spectrum roll up, roll up, target, targets, where, where are we at on moving beyond just the initial phase? So, And that's okay. Uh, other markets here in Australia, we're, we're very much still at that level as well. And then then once the network is beyond sort of just that hotspot coverage, you can't really innovate if you've just got a few cities covered, right? So we get that done first and then these types of operators can start thinking, where am I going to play? And you know what, just like today, some operators won't play in this 5G rich app space. So let me clarify that. You might have your your value seeking, your disruptor mark, uh, operators in the market, maybe your smaller MBNOs. They won't be, they won't, they may not bundle those 5G rich apps. Um, that's a whole layer of resource that they might not have at their fingertips. But those tier ones are certainly starting to talk more about that as the networks get, um, get, get some coverage layer and some substance to them. So in the US, I'm seeing things like um, operators start to talk this way. So um, we've got the emergence of Bookful. Bookful is a partner that you, that you see dotted around the globe. They're the, one of the guys that do those 3D kids um, uh, eBooks. We see them emerge uh, in the US. We see mobile gaming start to emerge in the US. And we um, see partnerships with some of the established guys like um, uh, Snapchat uh, having a partnership in the US. And we see in Canada, uh, TikTok working with Bell on an exclusive app for 5G that allows you to paint over your TikTok in real time with your mates, right? So we th th those markets, tier ones, operators are starting to, to catch up and there's rumblings of that in this market and other markets as well. So a country like Singapore, we've seen Singtel, for example, only recently go down this route now that they're also happy with their network, which they're also upgrading to standalone. So not all operators will do it. Um, it's coming for some. Tier, we'll put them in just a bracket under the the Chinese and the Koreans and that the Chinese and Koreans sort of had all their guns lined up from day dot right they had the coverage they had the handsets um, right. they had the apps right so all of that worked from from right from the start but there's a bit of a laggard in different parts of the value chain elsewhere 
Yeah, I think uh, the, I think I think that's where it'll be interesting for the U.S. companies is you know can they branch out more? Can they make those partnerships with app companies? Can they um, you know can they do more than just offering uh, free or discounted access to services? Can they actually do what what a couple of those operators you mentioned are doing and and integrate them in such a way where they're adding value? There's a value to not just using the app but using the app specifically on their 5G network. That's and, right. You know that unlocks something more exceptional than just the regular app. Yeah, and th- that that value that un- of of unlocking is um, of course leveraging five five G's lower latency. Um, that's leveraging five G's faster speed. I mean, you could do cloud gaming on four G, but it probably ain't going to be a very good experience. And you can buy your, your sneakers, <laughs> <laughs> you can buy your latest joggers from your three D. Yeah. That's not going to be nice either. So as uh, that's an, and that is another yeah. point. Yeah, so I was, I was just imagining like trying to like try on. Can you try them on 3D? Like how it, would that be? That's awkward? where the AR comes like, in, right? Yeah, without stepping on your phone and breaking it as you attempt to do that. It's right. yeah. a perfect fit. Oh no! Yeah, I was about to say we definitely have to run video of us using AR for the first time to, oh, to try on shoes. This is yeah, this is going to be tragic reading, and quite uh, funny. You know, the outsider. I'll oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see what fun we've got. You know, thank you, 5G, for, <laughs> for giving us this giggle. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, Kelsey, last question or observation is yours, and then I think we gotta we, we, we need to probably wrap up. From uh, Have you looked at all, uh, I, I suppose, from a demographic perspective of um, are there a certain consumers that are – um, you know, likely to be more of the first adopters for those, you know, 5G rich apps. I, when you're describing painting over TikTok, I'm, I feel old saying this, but I'm like, that's, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like for, for kids in high school or college, you know, they might really enjoy that. But, um, uh, you know, it, it um, <laughs> and, 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 is this where you just <laughs> tell us to get off your lawn? Is that, is that your, well, your stern kids? Yeah. <laughs> Not in my backyard. Yeah, and I think for us, we'll throw cloud gaming into that because I feel old. But, you know, I'm, I'm up to speed on what metaverse means now, so I'm feeling fairly cool. But, yeah, a lot of this stuff is, 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 has appealed to that younger dem- demographic. Um, but the question is around affordability. Can they afford that that five G handset which, you, which you've got to buy? Can they afford those premium five G plans? So it, it comes down to that it, it, to a big degree. But one thing I am noticing is that five G isn't necessarily just this very expensive premium only for oldies that can afford it type thing. It's very quickly trickling down down and down and down so smaller data allowances there's um in europe and other places there's actually already um dedicated youth 5g plans so um it's also trickled into the prepaid space so um and and a lot quicker have we started to um, temper this um 5g this way compared to 4g they kind of got stuck up up here and didn't move um as a very expensive service for a lot longer but very quickly i think the operators have gone hang on a minute 
We've got these kind of apps that appeal to this kind of demographic. We've got to, we've got to get that pricing um, uh, trickling down to make that, at least on the, on the plan front, affordable. And the good news is that, that, that um, you know, the handsets are moving in the right direction as well. So like sub 300 US dollars you can get handsets for. So I think this time around more of those parts of the value chain are helping um, uh, that, lo- that, 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 that the demographic that you mentioned um, have that increased um, affordability for, for 5G. Okay. Fantastic. As long as someone well, can, stories... can make use of that <laughs> TikTok yeah. feature. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be me either. But uh, uh, well, anyway, this story is evolving. Of course, uh, you can keep up with uh, you know all the 5G uh, news on lightreading.com. For Nicole's fine work, you can go to omdia.com and check out the latest uh, 5G consumer research. Our recent report is on uh, 5G data and tariff innovation. Uh, for the operators and trends to watch in 2022 uh, for Omdia subscribers. Um, if you are wondering what Metaverse is, that is a breakfast cereal. So uh, I can tell you more about that some other time. And uh, thanks <laughs> thanks to Nicole for uh, for being on the podcast today. Uh, re- really a, a, a gr- great to meet you and, 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 and thanks for your insights. I had so much fun. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks right, so much, Nicole. Care.